You're listening to the Daily Sweat Podcast, where we are all about doing something that makes you sweat every single day. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Sweat Podcast. As always, I am super stoked that you are here, and I'm really pumped for today's episode because today we have our first repeat guest. I haven't had somebody who I've interviewed before come back on the show for another episode, and so I'm really, really excited that today we have my good friend Cheryl Muir coming back on the show to talk all about relationships. Now, it was about a year ago, I think it was June of 2018, that Cheryl first came on my show and we talked all about Twin Flame Healing and Ascension. And even still to this day, that is my most downloaded podcast episode. Every single month, I have more and more people downloading it, and I really do believe that that's a testament, A, to the fact that many of us are very curious in the more woo-woo side of life, Um, but B, that there are a lot of people who are experiencing challenging relationship situations, and specifically with regards to the twin flame side of things, they are identifying that those situations are twin flame experiences. So Cheryl's work has evolved quite a bit over the last year, and she's not doing work solely on twin flame healing anymore. She really is helping people dive into the patterns that they continuously find themselves in relationships. And this is something that I'm sure we can all identify with. You know, I've had friends before who were like, why do I keep dating the same guy? And obviously it's not the same guy. It's a different guy with the same personality or even within friendships or within co-working situations. You may find that you always have somebody who you perceive to be a toxic friend or that you're always finding people in the office who are leeching off of you. And when we find ourselves in these situations, it's actually not about the other people. It's about us. And so I'm really excited today because Cheryl and I take a deep dive into how ignoring the stuff that comes up in the various relationships we have in our lives can stop us from growing into the people who we need to be. So to give you a quick background on Cheryl before we dive into the episode, Cheryl Muir is a relationship pattern interrupter who helps frustrated women gain power over the dating drama that consumes them. Cheryl's superpower is identifying the themes and patterns causing chaos in the love lives of smart women and by zeroing in on the core wound behind each pattern. Cheryl's clients shift in just one session. Cheryl is no nonsense and has an unorthodox approach to healing from twin flames and karmic love. Based in England, Cheryl is a certified life coach with a decade of experience in the study of the human condition. Her work has been featured in Soul and Spirit magazine, The Huffington Post, Elephant Journal, and Tiny Buddha, as well as the Plenty of Fish and Go Dates blogs. For more information, take Cheryl's quiz, Have I Met My Twin Flame, at CherylMuir.com. So without further ado, let's dive into the interview with Cheryl. Well, welcome to the Daily Sweat Podcast today, Cheryl. I am so excited to have you back on the show. You're a first repeat guest. Oh, really? I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me back. Of course. Um, So for our listeners, if you've been listening for a while, you may have heard me speak with Cheryl, what was it, probably almost a year ago, about 10 months ago, I think, when you first came on and we spoke about Twin Flames. Mm, Yeah, I think it was last summer. Yeah. And so things have changed quite a bit since, well, not quite a bit, but you know, things have changed since we spoke last. Things have evolved for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
So why don't you let us know a little bit about the work that you are doing now? Mm, That's a great question to start with. So when I was last on, we were talking about twin flames and I was focused really solely on people going through a twin flame journey. And that was what I was really called to focus on at that time. And now what I found through that work, not just through working with my clients, but through my own inner work as well, is that I've evolved to really talk about more than just twin flames. I'm talking about relationships in general. Um, I'm a relationship pattern interrupter now. I've realized that's actually what I was doing the whole time, is figuring out what are people's patterns in relationships? Where did that pattern come from? What's the origin of that? Usually childhood, right? Sometimes past lives, but usually childhood. Um, And getting really practical with it and figuring out, well, what did that make you believe about yourself? And, And more importantly, what does that make you do in relationships now so for example you're probably not upset they didn't text you back you're upset because it reminds you of an abandonment wound it reminds me of reminds you of when you know somebody left in your life your father left or your mother left or somebody passed away right so it's that old wound that's being opened up and you know what I realized from from working with people is that no matter what the label is whether it's a twin flame a soulmate a good old fellow homo sapien um it doesn't really matter like the work is the same. And so my work is a lot broader now. So I hope, I know that's a really long answer, but I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, it totally does. And was there, was there like a specific moment when you were doing this twin flame work where you realized that it was actually bigger than simply just the twin flame side of things, or was it kind of a natural evolution or progression? How did that unfold? Yeah, um, a little bit of both. Um, It definitely was a natural evolution and progression for sure. But I also remember um, talking to a friend, we were talking about it and she was like, you know what? Um, I think you could go a lot bigger than this. I think you're playing really small. And I think actually a lot of people don't know what Twin Flame is. And it's it's not even about that anyway. It's about something much bigger. And that kind of got the wheels turning. Um, It wasn't something I had a great time hearing at that moment, you know, as we never do with these realizations. Um, But I, I put it through my filter and got the wheels turning and ultimately realized that it was, it was bigger than just twin flames. Mm. And, you know, I think, you know, the a positive spin of that is that again, with people not necessarily knowing the term twin flames or maybe people being aware of it, but not necessarily believing in the woo such as we do and, you know, embracing that side of life, you are helping so many more people now too, by bringing it into yeah. relationships as a whole. Definitely. And and that's definitely something that was, um, now you said woo, let's go full woo. Um, It's something that, you know, spirit definitely was guiding the whole time. Like, yes, it was important to focus on twin flames, but now my work is bigger. I'm able to reach more people. And the work was always big to start with. Um, but it's, it's so funny because the flip side of that is my twin flame content is immortalized on YouTube and on my blog as well. Um, and the amount of people that find me through that twin flame content today, um, is, is still really interesting. Um, so it works both ways. People are uh, finding me and finding the work and it's helping people. And no matter what I call it, the fact that it's helping as many people as I can is, is really what it's all about. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you know, when we look at relationship stuff, we, today we're going to talk about romantic relationships, like non-romantic relationships, relationships with ourselves and concepts and things like that. We all have relationship stuff and it impacts the way we show up in life in so many different ways. And so I'm curious, like, let's just get right into it. it. Do you have kind of like a a short form definition or example of like, 
what we are talking about when we say relationship stuff? Yeah, gosh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, okay, this isn't a particularly profound origin of the quote, but I was on my Insta stories today. And um, what I ended up saying when I was answering a question is how we are in one relationship is how we are in all relationships. Mm. And the question I was answering was about friendships. It was about this beautiful, beautiful soul, this very smart lady who was saying, you know, I've got this friend and I've known her for five years from like this, this kind of uh, mommy baby group. And I've kind of outgrown her. She's making me feel guilty. And I feel guilty about uh, not having the time to spend with her on the phone. She calls me for an hour or so at a time. She's very negative. It's dragging me down. How do I end the friendship? And, you know, what she was asking was, how do I end the friendship? But my answer was, where did this pattern of overgiving originate? Because that's what's really going on. Because we can, we can end the friendship with this person, but if you haven't learned the lesson behind it, you're going to keep attracting these friends and romantic partners and co-workers and clients and, and, and until you figure out why you're overgiving and you stop that pattern in its tracks, right? And yes, there are things you can do with boundaries in the meantime. You can say to her on the phone, look, I'm really sorry you're struggling, but I'm really not the right person to help you process this. Or, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's that's a really difficult thing for you, but right now I'm, I'm just running off to go meet a client and I, I can't talk about this right now. Well, let's find another time, right? And when we have those boundaries, either those people fall away or they step up. Usually they fall away. But we have a lot of power in our relationships. And if we find, find ourselves being friends with the same person, dating the same kind of person, it's about us looking within and saying, this is all connected and this is about me. This is about my life. This is how I relate to other people. And it's about the relationship I have with myself. And when we change that and we realize we're worthy of being seen and being heard, having our needs met, the way we relate to everyone, friends, romantic partners, co-workers, family members, clients, audience members, it all changes. And our entire life changes. This is not just about dating someone. This is about our entire life. So it's, it's huge. Oh, a hundred percent. And I, I think that first thing that you said in the, in your response there, you'd mentioned that this woman was asking, how do I end the friendship? And you said, if you can end the friendship, but if you don't deal what's at the root of this overgiving, you're just going to attract those same people. I feel like that right there, we could end the episode because that's just <laughs> my draw. I'm efficient. Like that's, yeah, that's, totally. that's the crux of it, you know, but lucky for everyone, we're not going to end it. We're going to dive <laughs> into that. And so I'm curious, like, because I can think of so many people in my own life who are going through those similar things. Like they have yeah. all of the same kinds of friends who are leeching off of them or who they're just feeling drained by every single person that they have a relationship with in their life. How, how does a person begin to recognize their own part in something? Mm. Like yeah. You know, it's, it's a balance between recognizing our part and the other person's part in it. So people either go one of two ways. They either completely blame the other person mm-hmm. or they completely blame themselves. And it takes two to tango, right? There's two people, two humans with their own stuff and their own feelings and wounds and dreams and hopes and everything in between. Um, so we start to recognize our part in it by um, looking at other relationships and, and seeing what's familiar. So if the pattern is overgiving, you're like, oh, I do this. And so, yes, this person might be taking a lot from me and that's their stuff. 
but I'm the one that's giving too much. So in the example I shared, and what a, what a great example, really, that, that I was able to, to talk through this today. Um, in that example, the, the question is, well, well why, why is it I'm doing that? Why is it I'm on the phone with this person for an hour when I don't want to be? Because I can honestly say, like, in my life, personally, I don't, I don't have that. I don't have anyone calling me with their problems for hours and hours and making me feel like shit. Like, I'm just not available for it. Mm-hmm. But I used, I used to be. Yeah. And I also used to be that friend. Like I've been both. We've both been both, right? Let's just be real. Sometimes we're the toxic friend. That's sometimes what's happening. So people start to recognize their part in it by seeing what's familiar and going, oh, this is my pattern. And you really know something's awry in a relationship when there's resentment, when there's anger, when you feel drained. Like that's not healthy. And I know that sounds really obvious, but we forget that. Like, we don't have to feel drained by our, our relationships. It should fill us up. Connection is a beautiful and sacred thing. I'm just coming off the back of a, an Easter weekend with my friend Ismini. And we, not only did we fill each other up and encourage each other, we like processed some major stuff together and we rose up together. And I feel like, like a different person after that time with her. That's what connection is. It's a beautiful thing. We shouldn't feel drained. So if we are feeling drained, that's our first call to go, hmm, what is familiar here and what do I need to look at? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And so what, I'm sure it's different for everybody, but maybe also not different, hashtag different, not different. Um, <laughs> what is there usually that we need to dive deeper into? So you talked a little bit about some of the childhood stuff. Why don't we go into a few of those things and how different experiences that we had while growing up can impact our relationships now in our adult years? Mm, Yeah, that's a great place to dive into. So a lot of this does start in childhood. Anything from age five and under, we've pretty much in that time frame figured out who we are in the world because during that time, um, our brains are in a certain state. They're actually in, in a theta brainwave, which is kind of similar to meditation. Like we're, we're open vessels during that time. And we just, on a really practical level, if that's too woo for people, on a practical level, um, we just don't have a filter, right? When we're five years old, we're looking to our family, to our parents, to older siblings, to, you know, to a certain extent, teachers and, and authority figures. We're looking to them to inform us of what the world is and what our place is in the world. And we're kind of no different to the animals in that respect. Like if you see a pack of lions or elephants or, um, you know, any other of those beautiful, sacred, intelligent animals, the, the young look to the elders. And we do the same as people. We look around and we're like, hey, what's this earth thing about? Even though our soul knows we've been here before, our human selves are like, what fresh hell is this? Like, Why am I here? What's going on? Right? We don't know. So we look to people and that's when these behaviors start to get modeled. So if we see a parent that's always overgiving all the time, we go, oh, in relationships, we, we give loads. We give like 85% and we receive 50%. That's how it is. And then that belief is put into our subconscious. And then we go through life wondering why we're exhausted by our relationships mm-hmm. and we're not even aware of it. So it's in our subconscious, but we bring it into our conscious awareness with conversations like this with listening to podcasts like this with diving deep with a coach on this with doing programs around this we bring it into our awareness and we go oh I do that thing and I didn't even know I did that thing but now I know and now I can change it so that's just one example from childhood there are there are others like I've had lots of clients recently who um, were raised by a single parent or they were raised um 
in an environment where a parent passed away or a parent left or a parent wasn't physically present and or they had to be a caretaker for a parent, either a physical caretaker because their parent was physically unwell or they had to be an emotional caretaker because their parent wasn't mentally well or emotionally healthy. And this is not about blaming anyone because sometimes we we feel kind of guilty, right? Well, I call them a bad daughter. I'm a bad bad kid for saying this about my family, but it's it's not a judgment thing and it's not blaming anyone. It's just awareness that, okay, I was in an environment where I had to take care of someone. So from a pretty young age, I learned that um, taking care of someone else was my job and that my needs took a back seat because that was the situation. But what we need to understand is we need to kind of put our hand on our heart and just talk to our you know inner child there and say, this isn't happening anymore. And I've got you now and I'm your parent now. And I'm, I've got this. I'm going to take care of you. We don't have to overgive anymore. Your needs are important. It is important that you're seen and that you're heard. And it's safe for you to be seen and heard, right? And there's a whole range of other trauma that can happen that exacerbates this. But they're just a few examples of how when we're little, we don't have a filter. And we're listening to all these things around us in our environment. And we're thinking that we don't matter, and it's our job now to turn that around and realize that we do matter. Yeah. Wow. That point that you were saying about, you know, letting your inner child know that it's okay and that your needs matter too. Um, I think that's so powerful to be able to recognize that there's still that part of us inside that does have wounds that need healing or does mm-hmm. have beliefs, even though in our logical adult brain, right? we're like, yeah, of course I'm important. Like, if we never really addressed that when we were children, which 99.9% of the time we probably didn't, um, that can still come up. It was really interesting. I was at, um, I was at a business retreat about a month ago. So once this live, it'll be a couple months, but, um, when I was in high school, I went through a pretty brutal case of bullying on both like the delivering and the receiving end. So like Mm -hmm. I was delivering it and then I received it. So it was not like, oh, poor Ariana through the whole thing. But it really impacted a lot of the way that I showed up in my relationships with people because I was always worried that there was some kind of like thing going on in the background that I wasn't aware of. And I thought I had started to work through that. And I am less like um, suspicious when I'm out in groups of people and things like that. But when I was at this business retreat a couple, about a month ago, was laying in bed and some of the people were still awake downstairs and I heard them bring up my name because they were talking about the thing that I taught about that weekend. And just based on what the girl had said and the tone that she had said it, I just felt this like visceral reaction of like such intense fear that like took me back to elementary school or high school thinking that, oh my gosh, there's a group of girls downstairs and they're all going to talk shit about me. And of course that's not what it was. Mm. But it was just so interesting to see how that is, was still laying like way under the surface there. Mm. That's so powerful. What a powerful experience to to have that and, and to write that. That's, that's where the healing occurs as well. Exactly what you explained of having the fear come up and then your adult self is like, oh shit, I'm going back to that traumatized state right and it's yeah and and that's what it is we're being re-traumatized because our our brain doesn't know the difference I mean we hear about this in like manifestation law of attraction shit all the time right but um our brain really doesn't know the difference between what's imagined and perceived and feared and what's actually happening so in that moment you're going back into the moment where you're you're being bullied right and Mm -hmm. and it's something that actually I 
I really deeply relate to because I experienced severe bullying too. And I've, I've had people say, oh, everyone was bullied. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you don't like it's When it's serious, it really impacts you. And of course, it impacts how you relate to your sisters as well. Like groups of women, to many of us, don't feel safe. Oh my gosh, no, for so long. Right? Yeah. I mean, we could do a whole episode on that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe we will. But it's that's the sisterhood wound is huge. And, you know, there's all these online communities that preach sisterhood and some are legit and some it like perpetuates that high school thing and we're re-traumatizing ourselves. It's like, this is what we mean when we say that relationships are your whole life because it's, it's how you relate to all people, which is everything. We can't live in isolation. And we, we also don't heal in isolation. We heal through healthy connection, right? Yeah. Not to say that, you know, if you go into a dark night of the soul, which I've, I've been through, I'm sure many people listening have or are there now. Yes, there's times when you do need to be, you know, crying alone on a Wednesday afternoon. And that is legitimately part of your um, part of your healing process. I've done that. Um, and yes, like that is part of it if you need to shed and purge and heal. But we we truly heal through healthy connection. And, and that reprograms our brain. And we go, oh, connection is safe. Not only is connection safe, connection is amazing. And it's why we're here, right? Totally. And it can be such a scary thing to oh, huge yourself to that. So how, how would you suggest that somebody begins to cultivate that courage to open up to somebody? Like, where do we begin in finding these healthy connections? Mm. Oh, it sounds so cheesy and so obvious. People are like, I know what she's going to say. I totally know what she's going to say. It starts with us. It does. It does start with us. Gold star for everyone who predicted that. Um, yeah, it starts with us because we we can only, this is someone's quote. This is not mine. I don't know who this belongs to. But we can only meet another person as deeply as we've met ourselves. Mm. And we can only hear another person as deeply as we've heard ourselves. We can only see another person as deeply as we've seen ourselves so if we don't really know who we are and what our wounds are and what we're scared of and what we've been through and how it's affected us we're only going to be connecting with other people on the surface level you know I I go to the gym every evening I'm, I'm starting my gym gear as we speak so when we wrap up I'm going to the gym so this is like real life um and I go to the gym and it's so, I, you can tell I'm an INFJ like you Ariana because I like just observe everything everywhere I'm such a creep like, let's just watch human interaction here let's just watch it all going on um so I observe and I just see that like people are talking about the weather or they're talking about eating some like you know Cadbury's cream eggs they're not sponsoring me by the way to say that but they're you know you're eating easter eggs or whatever they were talking about and what they're really saying is they're like see me hear me and but they don't have the language to say that and it's just so interesting to me and I, I connect with people really deeply and like I can't not be intense I'm just intense I just am um but most people are not seen and most and, and not heard. And most people um, are kind of scared to go deep with people. And, and albeit, yeah, in social situations, you have small talk for sure. But it's like once you really meet yourself deeply, you're able to meet another person deeply and you're able to be a bit more intuitive and be like, hey, how, how are you? Are you all right? You seem, you know, is something off? What's happened? And you get to go deeper with people because you know yourself and so you recognize pain in the eyes of someone else and you're able to you know be there for them if you choose to be so to to foster that connection and to start getting vulnerable we've got to really turn that light inwards first and get vulnerable with ourselves and then we can have a healthy connection with someone else because we we've got a healthy connection with ourselves you know Mm, totally 
I feel like this podcast should just be called the self-awareness podcast because yeah, yeah. like Hashtag self-awareness. basically it, it really does that. It's like the root of everything, right? Like in order to move forward, to work through everything that we are feeling challenged by, we need to be able to look at ourselves and how we are showing up and where these things are stemming from and to be able to do so with a sense of self-compassion and not going back to that, um, those feelings of guilt or beating ourselves up, as you had mentioned before. Mm. Um, you know, I, I spent the weekend with my friend Ismini, as I mentioned before, and she's a, a co- coach now, but she's a trained counselor. And um, she went through the transactional analysis model with me, which is a coaching model. And basically, I can't explain it how she does because I'm not a counselor. Um, but basically what she explained is that sometimes we're coming from like the wounded child state or the, um, like the critical parent state when we need to be coming from the adult state. Mm. And I think if most people understood that model and really understood that when we're interacting with people, a lot of us are in that childlike state or that parental state when we're not connecting adult to adult, we're connecting like wound to wound and inner child to inner child, but not necessarily in a positive way. Like we're all connecting through wounding and negativity. I mean, how many people bond over negativity, particularly oh on social media? Like it's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, And it's like, when we start to be more self-aware, we go, oh, actually, when I do that, that, I feel like crap. When I talk about that terrible thing that happened, I feel awful. Now, am I actually actively, you know, we've talked about this privately, haven't we? Like, am I actually actively making a change or am I just talking about things that are really negative? And like, when you build connection over negativity or through your problems without any real intention to solve them then that's not healthy connection either so we've got to get really honest with ourselves and be like hmm, why am I bonding over negative stuff what's that about and does that feel good to me because mm-hmm. to me it feels like shit so I don't I don't do that anymore again yeah. I used to and this is how I know totally 100% and sorry you said that this was called the transactional analysis model yeah, it's, it's known as, yeah, transactional analysis or TA in, uh, oh. in counseling. And um, yeah, I'll have to get as me to explain it on a video for me or something and share it with people because it's, it's genius. Mm. Um, it's not a model, by the way. It's like a model from counseling. But right. it, it's so interesting when you see that most of the time people are coming from like the wounded child or the, um, the critical parent. And when we just come from an, an adult, so if, if that, the term adult, you're like, what does that even mean? What that is, is being healthy and, and not reacting from a childlike state and not scolding someone, but just coming from a really balanced place and being like, you know, going back to the example of the, the um, lady that has the friend that always talks on the phone about negative stuff, saying, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry you're struggling with that. Um, I don't think I'm the right person to help you through it, though. Um, I think this person would be better, right? Or I really, I'm not able to hold space for you right now. I, I can do it tomorrow. Um, or, you know, you can find someone else that can help you. Like in that language, it's so balanced. You don't sound like a parent. You don't sound like a child. You sound like a grown-ass grown-up. Right? Yeah. Sound, it's like, and it's so empowering. And my point with that is when we understand that, we realize how much power we have in relationships because it's not always the other person. And sometimes when we change and we get healthy and we deal with people in a different way, we're dealing with the same people, but the outcome is very different because we're not going, oh, they're there talking crap about me in the corner of there. And I feel, this isn't a diss on your story, but I'm actually thinking of some of my own stuff as I'm, as I'm saying this. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's people over there. And then we go, oh, actually, no, they're not. And you go, hey, so-and-so, haven't seen you in ages. How are you doing? You know, I'm thinking about me at the gym is what's going on right now. Um, but when we do that and we start talking to people in a different way, they change because we're changing our approach. 
and we realize, particularly as, you know, empaths, light workers, aware people, people on this personal development journey, which I know everyone listening is, like we're the ones that actually are influencing the energy in the room. We're the ones that are actually influencing interactions because we're more aware and we have more information. So it is actually our responsibility to lead those interactions and not be dragged down into what's happening, but to help people to rise up because we're the ones that have the know-how. So we have lots of power. So particularly when we come from that balanced adult place of just being really, yeah, really balanced, non-emotional about the the interaction. You know, if we're saying something um, that's that's been upsetting for us, not, not, not emoting and getting out of control with our emotions, but just being really balanced about it. We then have a lot of power in the interaction, not in a power struggle way, but in the sense of, I know how to steer this relationship in a really healthy way and, and manage conflict. And let's be honest, most of us didn't have conflict resolution skills taught to us as kids, right? Right. We come from homes where there was lots of conflict or conflicts never happened or conflict did happen. And then we pretended that it did not happen, which brings up a whole lot of self-doubt and gaslighting type incidents where we're like, oh, did did that not happen? Am I crazy? Like what's going on? So because we weren't taught conflict resolution, it's our job now to, to figure that out and to be adults about it and to be able to resolve conflicts and be like, Hey, you know, what I'm hearing is you're feeling this and, and certainly wasn't my intention, but is there a way we can, we can resolve this together because your friendship's really important to me. So can we talk down and have a conversation? And, you know, let's be honest, the other person might not be able to meet you there and they might be reacting from that childlike state or that scornful parents state. And that's okay. That's where they're at. But, it, we need to realize that we have a lot of power in, in the interaction. I think that's my, my key point there. Yeah. And I think that's a really important one to make. I can think of a lot of examples in my own life where people from childhood who I have started to shift the way I've shown up in relationships with them. And mm-hmm. in some cases, the relationships have ended not on bad terms or anything. You know, we just naturally, as you tend to do as you get older, stop talking to each other or as lifestyles change. And some relationships that I was actually really surprised about this to happen in, but they evolved and they became yeah. so deeper and we became so much more connected. And that all started from me having the courage to show up differently, which then provided the space for somebody else to do so as well. Mm, I'm so glad you had that experience. And I've had that too. And it's, it's amazing, isn't it? You think, oh, I never thought this would have happened. I thought this person was unhealthy, but actually now I've shown up differently. I think your exact words will have the courage to show up differently. It takes a lot of courage. It takes balls, right? And and now, now that that's happened, the interaction is different and it's, it's kind of mind blowing. And that's, that's why I say we have so much more power than we realize. I'm so glad you had that experience too. Thank you. Now, Obviously, we know that if we don't do the work in healing these relationship patterns, that obviously we find ourselves in repetitive relationship patterns. So anyone who's out on a dating journey right now knows how frustrating that can be to end up dating the same guy, but in a different body. Um, We (laughs) find ourselves with coworkers who always seem to be leeching off of us or friends who feel as though they're always taking and not giving anything in return. So we can kind of see a few different ways that this can manifest if we avoid doing this work. Where, what are some of the things that we can do to heal this inner child or to heal from these past experiences? Like, do you have any, say two or three tools that you help your clients with that you really love? Yeah. I, you know, it's so funny because I find myself saying exactly the same things in client sessions recently. I don't know if that means I'm getting really good at what I do or if it's just a commonality. It could be a combination of the two. I'm not sure. But it's it's questions like, um, 
I don't have anything prepped, so I'm just thinking off the cuff here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the question is, like, what's the pattern? What's the pattern? Where did it come from? Where did it come from? And what did it make me believe about myself? What did it make me believe about myself? And when we run through those questions, that gives us the basis to, to start the healing process because we have the awareness of like, number one, this is my pattern. So it's like, own your stuff. Like, this is, this is my pattern. And, oh, it came from this family dynamic. Okay, good to know, good information. And it made me believe that my needs weren't important and, and or that it wasn't safe to be seen and or uh, connection wasn't safe and connection isn't healthy and relationships are not a happy experience or any combination of the above, right? Or insert your own answers here. And then once we get to that place, we go, what am I going to do about that now? And, and to process that, to be frank, and this is not like a sales thing, but you might need to work with someone, right? Mm-hmm. Like we can, you know, read all the books and do all the meditations that we find on YouTube, but it gets to the point if we're like, I know this happened and it led me to believe this and now I've got this pattern, but I don't know how to get out of it. And I get this question from people all the time. People are like, how? If you've done all the free stuff, like it might be time to do a program. It might be time to do a coaching intensive or take a course where someone leads you through the process. Um, it might be time to hire someone one-to-one. Uh, I had a, a one-to-one session uh, with the client recently and I don't do single sessions only for people that have worked with me before. And I asked her to do a video testimonial for me and she kindly did. And she, at the time she invested and she's like, gosh, you know, this, this feels like a big investment for me. And then in her video testimonial, she said, at the time, I thought it was a big investment, but I would have paid her double, triple. She, if she'd have said, name your price, I'd be like, honestly, I'll pay you anything. And it was so interesting. Yeah, it was so interesting because she's like, it's not even about what I paid. It's about what I got. And she called the session life-changing, which for me was like, whoa, it was pretty incredible that she's had such a transformative experience. But that was in a 90-minute intensive session. And was it investment for a Yes, it was, but it, she was like, oh, this happens because of this that I went through. And this, this impacts all my relationships. And she really had an aha moment. And people always do. Um, and that's the thing, like you might have to hire someone. And, and that's, again, I'm not saying that just because I do this work because you might listen to me and be like, she's not my person. And that's cool. But like, it might be about going to see a counselor or going to see a coach or working with someone one-to-one so that they can unravel it because it's it's... I can give you the journaling prompts, but it's not one size fits all. It takes me saying, what was your family dynamic like? What was your relationship with your mother like? What was your relationship with your father like? Um, If you didn't know your dad, then did you have any male um, role models in your life? Did you have an uncle or a granddad that you were close to? Yes, you did. Okay. What was your relationship like with him? Was it a good relationship? Oh yeah, I adored my granddad. He was a great man. And when he, you know, when he passed away, it was, it was so devastating. And I'd love to meet someone like my granddad with those qualities. Perfect. Or yeah, I had an uncle, but he was kind of sketchy. You're like, okay, let's dig into that. Right. Or I had this teacher and they were a really big influence on my life and they they were like a father figure to me. So it's all about like, who were the mother and father models? And, you know, I'm really trying to give everyone like as much as I can, as much as I can back into this episode. Mm. But it's about like digging into like, what was my dynamic? And what did that make me believe about myself? And I can honestly say, like, I had some revelations with Ismini this weekend. I've been doing this work for almost a decade, and I had some things that surprised me. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I had no idea. So you will constantly surprise yourself. And it's when we have that relationship with ourselves, we 
get to know ourselves at a deeper level and get to peel back the layers and we go, oh, I know this thing happened, but I didn't know it made me feel that. And we just continue joining the dots and peeling back the layers. And it's a continual thing. And it will be, it's, it's, it's my work. It's my soul's work anyway. It's why I came here. But throughout my life, this is not going to, it will get easier and it's gotten easier, but it's, it's constantly like, as you go deeper within yourself and deeper with another person, you learn more and then you teach more on it. And yeah, it's a continual thing. So it's not like, oh, let me just fix your dating problems and then you're done. It's not quite like that. It's like, let me peel back another layer with you. And then you get to peel back another layer later on when you're ready, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, I feel like there can be this resistance towards investing in ourselves to do this kind of work, especially if this is manifesting in someone's life, for example, from like a dating perspective, right? Somebody Mm -hmm. might discredit the value that that could be. They might say, I'm not going to pay to have somebody help me with my dating problems. I'm not Mm going to put the energy or the time into that. But, but in reality, like the, the common response to that is always like, what is it costing you? Whether it's even not in finances, but like what, is the energetic cost of not doing this work? What is the emotional, which I think is even the bigger one, what's the emotional cost of not doing this work? And yeah, it can be really, really scary to open yourself up to somebody and to open yourself up to yourself. I think for me, that was the scariest thing for the longest time was having to actually face my own stuff. But once you do, the freedom that you experience and the opportunities that opens up for you is so powerful. And it like way outweighs the amount of money that you spend or the time that you put into it or the energy that you spent having to open up to somebody in a session. So, you know, that woman who said that she would have paid double, triple, quadruple, like I'm sure that everybody will find that if they start to do this work. Yeah, because you're absolutely right. You know, people are like, oh, well, I don't even want to date anyone right now. So maybe it's not the right time to do this work. Um, And I heard that, I don't hear that now, but I heard that when I was doing the twin flame stuff and focused on that, because they're like, oh, I'm not really focused on my twin flame anymore. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't matter about the person. It's about you and your life. Like, you know, if you're never going to talk to that person again, like, cool. But again, with that example, like, you're just going to bring someone else in who treats you in the same way until that pattern's sorted, you know? And it's one of those things. And, um, I was going to say something, I've completely lost my train of thought. What was it? We talked about investing, going deep into yourself. Oh, I remember. So I recently rebranded quite recently, actually. And I came up with a new, um, title, which my friend helped me with. And then a new tagline. And my new tagline is, um, I help frustrated women consumed by their dating drama. (laughs) What's that? Hang on. What's my tagline again? I help frustrated women who are consumed by their dating drama, Hmm. no that's not it okay whatever it is I'll have to look it up um but basically I, I help them they're consumed by their dating drama they're frustrated by it and I help them gain power over it I get help them gain power over their dating drama and the reason why those words are not easy for me to remember is because they're not my words and they're my clients words and I had a friend that said hey why don't you jump on a call with some of the clients that you've had and just say how did you feel before you worked with me um, how did you feel after you worked with me and how would you describe my work? And I interviewed a bunch of my clients and they all said the same thing, which is looping back Ariana to what you said about investing in yourself. But like, I was frustrated. I was angry. I was consumed by it. it like it was consuming my every thought. And after, honestly, I felt free. I felt peaceful. I'm living my best life. 
Um, and it's all thanks to doing this work. And there was one, usually with all my clients, there's one person that's like a catalyst um, who really gets in deep and they go, I'm just tired of this. I know it's not his fault or her fault because I have a lot of LGBT clients too. Um, I know it's not their fault as the person, but it's been so bad with this person that I realized that my patterns have got to change. And how people feel afterwards is they feel peaceful. They feel free. They're just, they have so much more power. And so the cost is it's consuming your every thought. Like that's your life. That's your entire life is being consumed by this dating drama. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm so grateful for all of the people that I work with who were prepared to give me that wording. And I, you know, proper like type A, I listened to all their, their, um, words I recorded it on zoom and then I I put it into a spreadsheet afterwards and I literally highlighted all the keywords and they were the same I felt frustrated I felt consumed it was I didn't understand what I was thinking and feeling I didn't trust myself and now the opposite is true so that's the value of it right the value is it's the cost is you yeah and if the if the cost is you the cost is too high if, oh. if it's really consuming you that much, it's consuming your every thought. I know for me, relationship stuff did before I got into this work. That's, that's why I'm in this work. You know, in my 20s, I was consumed by it. And it's because my wounds were consuming me. And so that's, that's the cost. It was too big of a cost because it was, it was ruining my life. And so when people are there, I'm like, it doesn't have to be this way. It'll take work and I'm not a magician, but it, you do not have to live your life this way. It does not have to be this way. It's been this way for a long time. Let's get to the bottom of why this is. And you you can be free from this. So the benefit is freedom, massive freedom, emotional freedom, freedom and in control of your own mind, mastering your own thoughts, right? Personal development 101, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the benefit. It's freedom, huge freedom. And freedom is essentially what the vast majority of us want. Is it not? Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. You know, I talk to so many people, whether it's in business or in life, like how do you want to feel and whether they want to feel free in their bodies or free in the work that they are doing or free just in the choices that they're able to make. Like we want that freedom and we have the ability to create that ourselves by doing this work on ourselves. We do. And no matter what, what form that freedom takes, whether it's freedom over your dating drama or it's financial freedom or it's freedom to, to work for yourself. Like freedom looks different to all of us, but if it's freedom that you want, then you're right. It's about doing the work and it's worth it. It's Mm -hmm. yeah, it's absolutely worth it. Amazing. Now I want to be respectful of your time. So I want to ask you, do we have time for me to switch gears slightly or do you have to head off to your workout? Um, I have about 10 minutes and then I need to head off. All right, cool. I'm sure we can get through this in 10 minutes. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. This is like healthy relationships 101, by the way, everyone in, in action right here. This is, <laughs> this is No, seriously, like I really appreciate that you asked this. And at the weekend, I keep talking about Ismini, but I spent so much time with her over the weekend. She kept asking, what, what do you need? What is it you need right now? And I'm like, oh, it's just so <laughs> lovely to hear. So, oh, what do you need? You know, I'm like, I can tell you're a therapist, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But it, this is what healthy relationships look like. It's like, hey, what do you need? Or, hey, how's your time at the moment? And if you don't have people like that in your life, then get some. Because yes. it's amazing. It's, yes. it, and this is how we heal. We go, oh, Ariana's awesome. I can trust her, right? Ismini's brilliant. She cares about how I feel. No one really wants to feel like their needs are not important. Totally. Yeah. Right? I Anyway, but yes, we can switch gears. Sorry, I went off on a tangent then. That's okay. It was a very important note to make. That, 
Thank you um, very much. I wanted to quickly touch on um, our relationships with patterns that are maybe not in actual relationships with other people. So I'm thinking more from the standpoint of relationships to addiction because Ooh, you yes. and I both have a similar, similar-ish past. And I'm just curious about, and this is super open dialogue, like do you have any thoughts about relationships with addiction? Are they, is healing that relationship similar to how we heal relationship patterns with our human counterparts? Is it totally different? What do you think? It's really connected. You know, there was a TED talk by a brilliant Brit whose name completely escapes me. I must apologize. But there's a, if you put in like into YouTube, like TED talk, addiction and connection, it comes up and he explains it so succinctly and it's his work. So I won't try and quote it. But basically what he says is the, um, the cure for addiction isn't put in in a facility. The cure for addiction is is connection. And he he talks about this and how our addictions thrive in isolation. And it's absolutely true. And for me, that that even goes down to like bad habits, like spending too much time staring at a screen or staring at my phone. I, I didn't do that the weekend when I was connecting with my best friend because I was in connection with a fellow human and that's so true, you know, when we are engaged with people and we're having a just a jolly old time, we don't have to be in addictive behavior because we feel nurtured. And for me, addiction, so for those people that don't know, um, and I don't talk about this a whole ton, so it's likely people don't know, but um, I've been sober for um, four and a half years. It'll be five years, um, September 30th. Yay. And yay, sober anniversary, soberversary. <laughs> Um, you can tell I've been in AA because I had, you know, I celebrate my sober anniversary. Um, but yeah, for me, so the addiction was alcohol with some drugs as well. And what I know now after copious amounts of therapy and inner work is that for me, it was about numbing. And someone, one of my friends from AA said, um, addiction is about feeling, but also not feeling at the same time. Mm. And I thought that was so brilliant. And, and he said, the great thing about getting sober is you get your feelings back. And the bad thing about getting sober is you get your feelings back. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, preach. Preach the gospel. Um, and it's true, you know, we, for me, I numbed out with alcohol. And it's interesting because I was actually around people, but I was still very isolated. So I was a problematic partier, if you will. I didn't look like an alcoholic. I had a great job, but I was blacking out and it was a problem. And I was just right before I got sober, I was ending up in situations where I woke up at home, thankfully, but I'm like, I do not know how I got home. And it wasn't like, oh, do you remember we went to this place and we got home this way? Like it, that's like a partial blackout. And we, a lot of people have that when they drink. It still doesn't mean it's healthy, but it's common. But a total blackout is like that memory isn't going to be retrieved because that memory was not recorded because your brain had such a high blood alcohol level that your brain stopped functioning. You went in, into procedural memory where you, had a, a, you weren't really recording memory. You were just able to remember things for about 20 seconds. But like that memory was not recorded. Yeah. Uh, you did not press record on that memory. And when I really learned that that's what was happening, I'm like, this has got to stop. I have blocks of four or five hours where my brain did not record a memory. That's not good. So I say that because I, I feel really strongly someone needs to hear that. I don't know who. Um, and what I realized was even though I was using substances with people, 
I didn't actually feel connected to them because not because of them, because now I'm actually really good friends with some of them and they're, they're sober too. Um, but I wasn't connected to myself, so I couldn't connect with people. So I felt isolated, even though I was in company. I don't know how much sense that makes, but that's how it was for me. That's the relationship between addiction and connection and relationships for me. Yeah, that resonates oh so much for me. And I, just from having conversations with others, I know that others have experienced the same thing. So it does make sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's such an interesting thing. And I even notice um, in my own life and how, even though I've been sober for just over seven years, that those addictive tendencies still arise, whether it's been with fitness or with work, or like you said, with that mindless scrolling on my phone. And the more connected I am with other people and the more connected I am with myself and really taking that slow, intentional time to check in with myself and think, what do I need today? How do I want to show up today? How do I want to feel today? Those tendencies are so much lower. Mm. Yeah. So absolutely. And congratulations on seven years. That's huge. Massive, massive props to you. Thank you. Big props to you too. Um, I feel like that could be a much longer conversation that we could go into, but I will, uh, we'll put that on for episode number three. <laughs> um, Yay, I'll be back again. I love this. I love being a repeat guest. It's like being invited back to dinner. It's like, oh, I was a, <laughs> I was a good dinner party guest. I got to come back because I was sober and I wasn't everywhere and acting like a fool. Right? And now I get invited back, isn't it now? Yeah. And we actually remember the <laughs> fun flashback to my twenties. Yeah. So fun. <laughs> I'm like, have I been in this club before? They're like, oh, you've been here. We remember you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> anyway. funny. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights with everybody. Um, I know I got a lot out of this. I always do when we chat about anything and everything. Um, and for our listeners, if anyone wants to continue this conversation with you or they want to continue learning from you, where can they find you? You can find me on the interwebs. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My handles there are Cheryl J. Muir. You can find me on YouTube. Just put Cheryl Muir into YouTube. And I have New Year every Tuesday called Love Bites, little um, short clips on love, self-worth, and soul growth. And my website is CherylMuir.com. If if you're wondering which social media is the best, I'd say Instagram is what I'm most active on at the moment, slash Facebook, but Instagram the most. So that's probably the very, very best place to connect with me. Awesome. Cool. We'll be sure to link up to those in the show notes. Thank you again, Cheryl. This was amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be invited back. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. And to our listeners, as always, thank you so much for your time, your energy, and for allowing us to hang out in between your ears. We'll be back with you next week with another episode of the Daily Sweat Podcast. Have a great day. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a screenshot of your phone right now and post it over on your IG stories, tagging both myself and Cheryl, letting us know that you loved this episode.